All righty. Everybody's good? Lord, help us, right? Amen. You know, what? I want to really reiterate what Dean said about God has put us here on a mission. And I think it's time to discover your mission. Uh, I had this little vision the other day of me parachuting from heaven as a little baby into my family. And God had parachuted me here into a war zone because the world is a war zone. And God has dropped every one of us into this war zone. He's already won the victory. But, you know, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, right? Well, he destroyed the works of the devil ultimately. But there's a lot of things that God wants for us to finish in terms of, of the works of the devil because that's still happening in the earth. And so I really want to encourage you. I believe that's really what we're, we need to find out why we're here. Why did God put you on this earth? You're on here for a mission. And your mission is, is not just about you, uh, yourself, and about what you, you're supposed to do. It's, there's a kingdom of God that we're a part of. It's something bigger than individual. It's something greater and God wants to use you to, to your last breath on this earth. And when your last breath is over with, then you can go to heaven and find out that you have another mission in heaven. You'll find that. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Also, um, how many people had a good week? It was a really intense week spiritually. I'm going to do this since I have a little time. This is not the message, just in case. So everybody who times me on my messages... This is not, this is a, this is not, so far I haven't started my message, so you can't start timing me yet. So, but this is something the Lord did for me this week. And, well, Becky and I were listening to the radio before we went to bed. Not Christian radio. Um, we were listening to this, like, classic rock. I love classic rock, okay? I, that's just me, I mean... And this is not like the bad, there's some bad classic rock, just like, you know, but this was not the bad stuff. This is, so we were listening, we don't do that hardly ever, but I fell asleep listening to it. And I woke up, and I started listening to it again, and I was hearing songs I hadn't heard forever, since the 70s. <laughs> and I loved those songs, and I was listening to them, and sort of feeling like I was going to sleep again, and the Lord spoke to me. This is what He said. He said, this is my time. That's what he said. This is my time. Let me read this scripture to you. Psalm 16, verse 7. It says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. You see, God wants access to you. Okay? And when we, and at night especially, when we're still and we're quiet, that's a time where God can have better access to us. You know, when during the day we're busy, we're full of things, there's a lot of things coming at us, our senses are on overload, you know, we're busy at work, home, whatever. But at night is a time where God can have access to your heart and do things in your life. And what the Lord showed me is a lot of times, if we're not careful, our soul gets so loaded with stuff that it begins to affect our spirit. You hear what I'm saying to you? 
your, your soul gets on overload. And if you go to bed and you allow your soul to continue to be overloaded with stuff, television, or if you're listening to things at night, that you need to be thinking about what it's doing to your soul and ultimately what it will do to your spirit. And I'm, I want to just relay that to you. God is saying that is His time. That God wants to have access to you. And there's, an in, there's really an increase of, of revelation at night. There's an increase of, of visions and dreams at night. It's happening right now. Some of you may not have ever experienced that, but we're coming into a time where many people, God will begin to speak to them through their dreams. You know, there's a psalm that says, psalm, I think it's Psalm 91, it says the Lord will keep you from the, what, the terror of the night. See, there's, some, there's spiritual activity going on all during the day, and even at night there's this thing called the terror of night. And so as we allow the Lord to have access to us and cut off the world, cut off things, and give God access you'll begin to hear from the Lord as you sleep, and God will begin to reveal things to you about you. And then there's even another level that God wants to bring us into where it's not just about our personal lives where he's revealing things. It's about things greater than us. So I just really want to encourage you that, that this is a time to hear the Lord. And this is a time where God is really wanting to speak to people. And give God your nights. Just agree with them. Like, this is your time, Lord. I'm not going. I'm not going to go to sleep listening to music, Christian or otherwise. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you access and allow you to speak to me. And I promise you, once you start doing that, God, David said that the Lord worked in his heart at night. And you know, one third of our lives are spent sleeping. God wants access to that one third of your life. And, and, and we had to give him permission to do that. Amen? Yes and amen. Dreams, visions, and revelations. Lord, do it. So I want to read this scripture to you this morning. I've read this a few. This is amazing. I, I can't escape this scripture for some reason. This is Exodus, Exodus thirty-three thirteen. Therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your, your sight. This is Moses, by the way. If I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I might know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider this nation as your people. The phrase, uh, show me your way that I might know you, has become such a, a vital thought and a vital prayer in my life because the Lord, one, is we don't understand the ways of the Lord. Nobody really understands. Who could understand a God who is so much greater than us and so much bigger than us and so much and who's endless, who's always been, who always will? Who could, who could understand a God like that? Yet he put it in Moses' heart to pray, Lord, show me your ways. Teach me, Lord. And it's so that it, not just so I could have this understanding of things, but that I might know you, Lord, that I might have this relationship with you. And if you think of all people who would pray that, Moses at this point in his life should be the last person on the earth to pray that. Think of all he had experienced up to this point. He had actually met with the Lord in a burning bush and heard God speak to him. 
He had seen God deliver. He had seen God do miracle. He took a rod and threw it to the ground and it turned into a snake. I mean, endless miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. He saw the Red Sea. Moses saw undoubtedly the greatest miracles of probably any person who'd ever lived. He saw the greatest demonstrations of the power of God of any person who's ever lived on this earth. Maybe, maybe the only other greater miracle that anybody's ever seen was, was Christ being raised from the dead. But as far as a person, everyday miracles. And yet here he is at this place in his life saying, Lord, I don't know you. I don't understand you. Your ways are mysterious, mysterious, and I need to know you. I need to know your ways. Give me understanding of, of the mysteries of life, of the way life goes, the way life happens, so that I can know you and not turn away from you. And, of course, Jesus said the essence of Christianity in John 17, 3 is to know, to know Jesus Christ and his Father. That's the whole point of our existence on this earth really is that we would, have, we would know this God and we'd have a relationship with this God. It is hard to have a relationship with an invisible being. It's hard to have a relationship with a being who thinks completely different than we do. Who does things that we can't understand. We, we look at the earth, we look at things that happen in our life and we wonder, where's God in all of this? And why, is, why has God allowing this to happen? It's because God is so much bigger than us. And so Moses had that sense. He had that feeling. He knew the confusion of a people trying to follow an invisible God. I don't know about you. I mean, if I, I'm, I'm like that. God confuses me to no end at times. It makes, he, he's a wonder to me. And I think he's a wonder to all of us. He's amazing. Well, there's this famous book. From the 70s, I'm talking about the 70s this morning, come on. I'm, I, was, I was hitting my stride in the 70s. I got saved in the 70s. I met Becky in the 70s. I got married in the 70s. I graduated from the university in the 70s. Got my first corporate job. I, mean, I, was, I was something in those days. Well, I thought I was. It turns out I wasn't. I'm still figuring that one out. But... Um, there's a book, there's a man named Francis Schaeffer. Anybody ever heard of Francis Schaeffer? Oh, man, you got to, this, this generation needs to go back and tap into Francis Schaeffer. You would be amazed at stuff he wrote in the 70s. And when you were reading, you are thinking, did he live, is he alive today? Was he talking about the day? He was like a cultural uh, guy. He was a prophet is what he was. He was a real prophet. He was a very intellectual guy, but he saw the world different. He wrote these trilogy of books. The first one was called The God Who Was There. The God Who Was There. Amazing book. And it's actually a trilogy of three books that he wrote. Uh, the second book was Escaping Reason. Escaping Reason. The third book was The God Who Was There and He's Not Silent. He went on to write 23 more books. But he said all his books came out of those three books. Everything that he, all his revelation. I'll go back to that. So what Schaefer was trying to get across the people that there is a God. And that this God is available to people. He, we have access to this God. And that's really the whole thing that I think is so vital for us. And I mean, at least in my heart is for us to really get this reality, to get this revelation that God has opened heaven. 
to us. And that God really is, God is there in our life. God is there in our life. God's available in our life. God wants to speak in our life. And when we as believers begin to really grasp that with our hearts and begin to know that, that's when transformation, that's when things are going to shift for you. That to me, this is the vital revelation. There was another song. This was from the, a, song, a song from the 90s. Uh, by Bette Midler. Everybody know who Bette Midler is? That woman could sing the paint off the wall, I thought. Her voice was amazing. Well, she uh, wrote this song, uh, which actually the song, listen to it, it's beautiful, but the words are tragic. But the words really are the words of most human beings. I want to read, the name of the song is uh, From a Distance. It was written in 1990. I'm going to read you some of the words to it. Just not all of them, just to kind of make it a little bit shorter. She said, from a distance there is harmony, and it echoes through the land. It's the voice of hope, it's the voice of peace, it's the voice of every man. From a distance we all have enough, and no one is in need. It's the voice of peace, it's the voice of every man. There's no guns, no bombs, and no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance... We are instruments marching as a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace. They're the songs of every man. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. From a distance, you look like my friend, even though we're at war. God is watching us from a distance. You get that? You get what she was saying? See, Bette Miller, that's the tragic message of this song. It's the tragic message of a lot of Christians, actually. In fact, I had a friend who was dying in that time when this song was popular that brought those words of that song up to me. That, that's how she felt. There is a God. There is a God, but He's not there. He's not right here in my life. God is at a distance. God is way out there somewhere. And so from a distance, the world looks great. But close up, we all know the world doesn't look good at all. And, and, and so this song really communicates what many of us have felt at times. And probably all of us have felt that. We've all probably wondered in our worst moments, where is God? Why did God allow this to happen? God seems like He's not there for me. God seems like he's, he's way away. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And see, every one of us has to, to wrestle. That's why I believe it's critical, vital for your mind and your health, for the church's health, to understand what Christ has done for us. To understand that Christ, because of what happened to Him at the cross, what the, the, the brutal beating He took... For us to really understand that that has opened heaven for us and gave us total access to God. That God is no longer a distant God. That God is the God who is there. He's right there. Christ made that available for us. And the war that we have, the biggest war on this earth, we were dropped into a war zone, but the real war is what Schaefer alluded to, escaping from reason. That was his second book. The God who was there. Look at the progression. The next book. Escaping from reason. Whose reason? My reason. See, every one of us in this room, we're going to have to escape from our own reasoning. Because that's where heaven is closed. 
It's closed in our minds. And if it's closed in your mind, it's going to be closed in your life. And that's what we need to all escape from. To discover this God who's been right there all the time. In our worst moments, in our tragic moments with a million questions, He was there all the time. Yet our minds have told us something else. Religion has told us something else. And when we begin to discover God like that, then we can, we can deal with the suffering. We can deal with the questions. We can, we can overcome those things. But if we don't understand that He's there, it'll push you away from God. Or it'll make you very foolish and try to perform more to get God there. Oh, God would have been there for me if I would just prayed more. God would have really helped my finances if I would just give more. You see where the false in that thinking is? Oh, heck, I believe in praying. I, I really do. I, I think praying's awesome. Because you're getting to talk to this invisible person and people think you're talking to yourself. People have accused me. Byron, I saw you driving down the road. You're talking to yourself. Well, hey, I like talking to myself. Actually, I was talking to the Lord, but I didn't tell him that. I believe in prayer. I believe in all that. But I don't believe in it to try to get God to come into my life or get God to do something. I believe in it to help me get to the place where I can hear God and where I can experience God. It's an outcome. It's not a prerequisite. I think I've said that. Are y'all good? Yes, sir. Let me read this, this thing here. This is uh, before, I wanted to read this story beforehand. This is, I hope this really speaks to you. This ripped me apart when I started reading this. It really broke my heart, honestly. Because I began to see God's heart in a way that I haven't seen it before. And it was, it was painful to me. Because I, at the same time, when you see His heart, you see your heart. And you see there's a big difference. You know, that's really what repentance is. It's when we begin to see the heart of the Lord and begin to see Him as who He is. And then we see ourselves and we realize, we realize something about us. We realize the, the tragic truth about ourselves. And it makes us like want to turn away from all of that and, and, and get a hold of this beautiful God that He is instead of condemning Him and criticizing Him. And that's what not understanding God will bring you to ultimately. It will bring you to being critical of Him. It will separate you from Him. Because He doesn't do what you expect Him to do. He doesn't act the way you think He should act. And it will ultimately push you away from Him. And so we need to get the wisdom of Moses and say, Lord, teach me your way so I can know you, so I can understand you better. And so I can kind of at least get this clue when things are not working. And I won't be pushed off by you and offended by you. Or I won't do some stupid thing and try to double up on good works to you know, become the religious person. You know, God really is going after religion right now. Listen to what it says in verse 1, 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Say unto your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Pezzarites, and the Hivites, and Jezebites, and as somebody said, the mosquito bites. <laughs> They're all bites. Biting at you. <laughs> 
Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst. Listen, I will not go. I'm not going with you. I'm not going to be in the midst of you. That's what he was saying. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to go up in the midst of you. But y'all go. Go. I'm going to do what I said I'd do for you. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, this was bad news, this was bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst and in one moment consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by my Horeb. That was... So here's what happened, the background of this. Moses went to Mount Horeb, okay, and got the Ten Commandments from the Lord. Okay, and while he was gone, he was up there for 40 days with the Lord. And while he was up there, everybody said, hey, where's Moses? What the heck? You know, dude, I mean, gosh, 40 days and he's left us down here? Let's have a party and let's go back to Egypt. And they took all their earrings and made a golden calf and started worshiping the calf. Okay? That's what, that was what was going on. And they were just, just having a big old time being debauchery, you know, into debauchery. I mean, just doing bad stuff. Let's just put it that way. They were doing really bad stuff. They were doing what they, the Egyptians did, the worldly did. And so Moses comes back down in the middle of all that. You know, that's when he broke the Ten Commandments. And, and, this, and this, is, this is what the Lord said. He said, okay, Dan, here, this is the way this is going to work. I'm, I've decided something today. Y'all don't want me. Y'all don't want me. You know, there was a, <laughs> this is a hard lesson. If you're going to be in any kind of serving other people, you're going to get rejected. Okay? That's just, who likes to be rejected? Raise your hand. Come on. Oh, like, I'm going to do something. Reject me. Nobody wants to be rejected. It's hard to be rejected. Lord have mercy. Any guy knows that because every guy's been rejected by some girl. Right, you know, that's a bad day for a guy. If you have a friend that's being rejected by a girl, kind of stay away from them a little bit because they're going to say a bunch of stuff you don't want to hear. But there was this song, what was that, Wedding Singer song? Wedding Planner, when there was a little boy at the wedding. Remember that? There was a little boy at the wedding. This is a movie, Wedding Singer. And he was really upset because this little girl wouldn't dance with him. Okay? This little girl wouldn't dance with him. And he was very distraught over it. I get that. I like so many girls that didn't like me. It was ridiculous. It was only God that Becky liked me. I can promise you. The girls I shouldn't like, that I wish wouldn't have liked me, liked me. But the ones I thought should like me or I wanted to like me never wanted anything to do with me. Looking back, I can understand. That was all God. I was not a good guy. Anyways... This guy in this, in this movie went to the little boy, why would you want to dance with somebody who doesn't want to dance with you? That, that was a revelation to Becky and I after we were being rejected by people. Is why, why do you want to dance with somebody? People who reject you, people don't want you. Don't do it. Don't pour your heart out to people who are going to reject you. You know, if they don't want you, okay, they don't want you. So you just move on with your life and be who you are. Don't try to change yourself to make people happy. Be, be who God says you are. You'll be a lot happier in life, and you won't be frustrated all the time with being rejected. Anyways, the Lord was like that. The Lord felt rejected by Israel. 
That's why he said, I'm not going with you. If you don't want me, fine. If I, in fact, I'm so, I could just wipe y'all off. I could just eliminate y'all if I wanted to. But he didn't really want to. So he said, I'm not going to go up there and put up with all this because y'all don't like me. You don't have to like me. I'll just, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go on. And I'm going to send this angel with you. And you're going to have everything I promised you. Everything I promised you, you can have. Everything. But I'm not going with you. That's really what he was saying to them. So that brings up a question. Okay? Here's the question. What if the Lord came to you one day and said, listen... It's, it's pretty obvious that my presence in your life is not something that really matters a whole bunch to you. But I still love you, and I'm going to give you every dream in your heart that you've ever had. I'm going to give you everything you ever wanted from me. I'm going to give you all of that because I love you and I care about you. I'm just not going to... My presence is not going to be real in your life. In fact, here's what I'll do. I'll throw in some angels with you. They'll take care of you. You can have some spiritual experiences. These angels will do some awesome stuff for you. I'm just not going to be there with you like that. I'm not going to be the God who's there. Now, if the Lord asked you that, because I felt like the Lord, when I was reading this, that's what, I, what broke my heart so bad. I felt like the Lord asked me that. And I had to get really gut honest. Because here, here's the thing about the Lord, and it's really about any relationship. It's messy. I don't have any relationships in my life that are not messy to some degree. And the closer I am to a person, the more messy it gets. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My, my relationship with Becky at times is as messy as it can be. It, it can be a disaster at times. My relationship with my children can be disastrous at times. They, they crush me at times. They break my heart. Even to this day, I feel like they walk all over my heart at times. Every parent knows that. You know, there was an old saying when we were young parents, like, when your children, this is from older people, when your children are little, they'll step on your toes, but when they get big, they'll step on your heart. You thought you used to think getting your step, toes stepped on was bad? Let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than your child stepping on your heart. It's the, one of the worst things you'll ever experience. Even my friends, who people I'm close with, the closer I am, my, my friends, my guy friends, it's messy at times. Any relationship's messy. So in some ways, let me just say something. In some ways, it would be easy to say to the Lord, well, Lord, that would be great. That would really be awesome, Lord, if you'll give me all this and I don't have to burden myself with this relationship with you. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I think if most people in this room, if you really try to answer that question honestly, it's going to cut you. Now, ultimately, that's not a fair question. I understand that because the Bible says every good and pleasant gift comes from the Father of light. So we don't really try to separate God from His gifts. I, don't, I personally don't. I, I, I see Him as one. I don't separate God's face from God's hands. But I think it's a question that's legitimate for us. 
And if you think about Christianity as a whole, people will despise you for, try, for having a desire for the presence of the Lord. They'll despise you over it. Y'all got all quiet on me. I'm just saying, this is what God was trying to teach, to say there. It's, he's willing, and that's the way He is with all of us. He's willing to bless your life, but He's not necessarily going to be the God who's right there in your life. He's going to be the God who's over yonder somewhere. Y'all gotten too quiet on me. One thing um, that happens with a lot of people with the Lord, I, I did want to bring this up since we did a marriage seminar yesterday. Uh, which was really good, by the way. Jerry and Judy did it. Y'all missed it. They're awesome about marriage. But I'll tell you one thing that Jerry said that I thought was the best. He said this. A lot of the way these marriage things go, you talk about your experiences, and then you get to the, to, the, to the truth, to the foundation. He said, I want to start at the truth. I want to start at the foundation, and then we can talk about experiences in light of the foundation, the foundation being Christ. It's powerful when he said that. Because you can't have a relationship with your spouse or anybody else, really a healthy one ultimately, without Christ being the foundation of it. And that's really how you build a good marriage, is you build a marriage on Christ. And you build relationships on Christ. But I see in a lot of marriages, and it's by the grace of God it hasn't happened to Becky and I, but is, is people start living parallel lives. You understand what I'm saying? They, live, they don't break up. They don't split up, but they live two separate lives. They, there's not really a relationship with them, with each other. They're living in the same house together, eating together, talking about stuff. But the truth is they don't really know each other anymore. They're not communing with each other anymore. They ain't putting priority on each other anymore. And see, a lot of Christians do that with the Lord. God didn't, doesn't do something in their life that, they, that He was supposed to do. You understand what I'm saying? God, you were supposed to do this. This is what the Bible says, and you didn't do it. Has anybody had that experience beside me? I've had God do a lot of stuff or didn't do a lot of stuff that I could say to him, I've got a verse right here that declares you do this, but you didn't do it. And see, what a lot of people do, they break away from their communion with the Lord. They don't fall away, but they're living a parallel life with the Lord. There's no real relationship with them. They're just living their life. They're doing their Christian thing. They may go to church. They may give. They may go to, you know, serve people and all this. But it's, in terms of a relationship with the Lord, it's not there. It's like any relationship. And so really, we, re, we need to be careful not to do that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. One of the things that I've learned... Then I'm going to get off this. One of the things I've learned in life is this about other people. is my expectations on them. And I, I had to learn that the hard way. Is I had expectations of my children to treat me a certain way. And when they quit treating, I'm talking about adult children. My kids are not babies no more where you can whip them and make them act the same. <laughs> get, ye, my son would, either one of my sons would beat the fire out of me if I tried to whip them. I can't beat them up no more. I used to like, I'll beat you. You know, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. All that. Well, they just said, no, nah, Dad, I'm taking you out. Not that they would, but I'm just saying. When they get old, you can't do that with them no more. So what I had to do is I had to get rid of my expectations. I had to get rid of a lot of expectations I had with Becky. 
Because when you expect somebody to do something and they don't do it, you're disappointed in them. And it creates a rift. It creates a rift in your relationship and it ties up the rate. What's that guy? Pinch points is what they counselors call it. They pinch points. And where the love can't flow, the anointing can't flow. And I'm talking about with God now. And he's got these pinch points with God. And suddenly the anointing, the life of God quits flowing between you and God. And you drift further and further away from God. And you start living a parallel life. A relational pinch is what they call it. And you see, that's really what the Lord was going out, out after with Moses here that day. He he was trying to talk to them about relationship. He was trying to talk to the children of Israel about the presence of God and about how important the presence of God is in a people's lives. Yet He is a God who's willing to bend over backwards to let you have everything without His presence. He'll let you have your greatest dreams if if you really want it to be that way. Let me read this, the rest of verse, I think I went through verse 6, right? Let me go on and uh, read in verse 7. Now, this is really powerful here. So Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. I think I've read this before. And called it the tabernacle meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle meeting that was outside the camp. So... That's where the Lord was. He was not in the camp. Now, let me get this picture. If you go back and read the preceding chapters, the several chapters were all about the tabernacle of Moses. Building this tabernacle, this house for God. And God declared, and they went through this whole thing, you know, all this stuff, you're going to do it this way, it's a It's a design. That's what it was. He gave them the design for the tabernacle in the preceding chapters. And this is how, and he said, this is how you're going to handle it. This is who's going to handle it. There are going to be certain people that are going to carry it. Certain people are going to set it up, take it down. And this is where it's going to be. My house is going to be right in the middle of Israel. You go read it. I want three. There's 12 tribes. I want three on each side. So I'm right in the middle of everybody. That's where God wanted to be. He wanted to be in the midst. He wanted his presence to be right there with everybody. But now, before, and, 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 and let me say, it did happen later. But here, God's presence is not in the midst. God's presence is out here, way outside the camp. And you know what else was way outside the camp? The Porta Johns. God was out there. Who else was out? There was a few people out there. Those are the rejects. Those are the people who were outcasts. They were outside the camp. And there was God out there. He was not the God who was there in our midst. He's the God over yonder. I'm not speaking to anybody. Because here's what I feel a lot of time. I feel a lot of time. That's the way church is. God is over there. We're over here. God's blessing us, but He's over there. He's not the God that's right here with us. And a lot of Christians are like that, I hate to say. A lot of people in this room, I bet you're like that. If you want to get right down to it. I pray, you know, boy, when, I asked, when the Lord asked me that question, it cut me. Because I realized it was a part of me. And I ultimately came to the right answer. But I went through the process to say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, there's parts of me that I would like to not have to deal with this relationship with you. Because it's hard, Lord. 
And I really want my life to be blessed and prosper. I want everybody around me to be. And if you came and made that offer for me, I would, I would be tempted. You know, that was one good thing about the children of Israel. When it said they, when they heard this bad news. And I promise you there were people there that said this. Hey, that's too bad. But hey, we're good because he's going to give us an angel and we're going to get everything we want. So we're good. Let's just go do it. Let's just go do this thing. We can do it. We get the promised land. We get land flowing milk and honey. He's going to run everybody off. We're going to be blessed. Everything's going to be cool. We're going to have a great life. We're going to have a great church. We're going to have a great ministry. It's going to be awesome. We don't really need God anyway. It was great what He did for us. And He can stay to the side. And if the ones of us who are really hungry for God, they can trot their hides out to the outhouses and find Him out there. I promise you there were people that thought that. Well, there's people who think that in the church today. It's the tragedy, our tragedy. When we don't value this person, that he's too much trouble, and he wanted to be in the middle of us. Am I being hard to get along with this morning? I hope not. It's because it just crushes me. But I did want to read this one more time. Moses took what? Whose tent? Moses took his tent. Isn't that a prophetic statement? Moses took his tent. His tent. His tent and said, Lord, you can live in my tent out here. You can live in my tent out here, Lord. How many people are willing to do that? What does it say in Hebrews? It talked about Jesus suffering where? Outside the camp. See, it's prophetic. All this is prophetic. Outside the camp. And people have to go out there, what? Bearing something, bearing a reproach. Are y'all okay? Y'all ain't looking good this morning. Y'all looking dead serious at me. You're either mad or just like, I'm not buying none of this. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I can blame you. I got to do this on a personal level. Let me finish reading. And it came to pass, to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle or that tent. It, this was not Moses' tabernacle. It hadn't been built yet. It was Moses' tent that became God's tabernacle, God's place. Okay? And when he entered it, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked to Moses there. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Isn't that beautiful? As a man speaks to his friend. I wonder if that has something to do with him giving the tent. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I always used to think that was the tabernacle of Moses until when you really read it, it was Moses' tent. Moses gave the Lord his tent and said, Lord, you can live here. You can live in my tent. Even though you can't be here with everybody, you can have my tent. You've got a place. How many people are making that place for the Lord? See, it really starts, what did Paul call our earthly body in the New Testament? He called it a tent. How many people, seriously, have, are we thinking, Lord, you can have my tent. You can have my tent. If nobody else wants you, I, you can have, I want you, Lord. I really do want you, Lord. I want a relationship with you. Dag on it, Lord. I wish you'd not be so difficult at times. 
And I wish you would answer my prayers, Lord. And Lord, I wish you would, this prophetic stuff, I wish you would kind of give me some stuff before it happens instead of after it happens. You know what I'm talking about? When you get stuff and like, oh, that's not good. And then you get in touch with the people and it's like, oh, something bad happened. And it would be nice if you knew before so you could warn them not to. Are y'all following that? So, anyways, I think that's going to be what I'm going to stop at. So, that kind of really, that's what I'm saying, that really helped me see the Lord in a different way. To see the Lord's heart, that Lord yearns to be with us. Yearns to be with us. Yearns to. I'm not talking about just in church. I, I really believe he does in church because we're all together. But he yearns to be with you all the time. And I, th- and I really do think that we had to decide that God's presence is the greatest thing there is in our life. It's our greatest value. I really feel like that should be the most important thing in our lives. Not, not what we do, not our calling, not our ministry, not our gifts, not our business, not, not our homes, not our children. I think God should be that. I think God should be the most valuable thing to us and that we live our life in awareness of God, in awareness of what God wants and what God's doing. And God has made a way for us to live that way. It's called the Holy Spirit. That His Spirit has come and made a way for us to live this life and have this relationship with Him and make this the priority of our lives. That's what God is looking for in the church in the last days, I'm convinced of, is a people who would say, here, take my tent, Lord. You can live there. If nobody else wants you living there, you can live in my tent. Let's find out what you like in these to do, Lord. And we'll set this tent up for you. So we'll do the things you like. And we won't do the things you don't like. We'll find out what they are. And we're probably going to find out by trial and error. <laughs> you know? I mean, we know some things God doesn't like. There's lots of things that we don't know about. And that's called a relationship. You know, when your wife's young, there's certain things that she won't tell you that she don't like. She goes along with you guys. But when she gets old, all of a sudden she starts getting a little bit more rambunctious <laughs> and more, a little bit more defiant. Now, I'm going to just tell you that. Right? I tell these young guys, you, you complain about that wife, like, you're dumb. You don't know how much you got it made. Wait till she gets older, buddy. She's going to put the clamps on your hiney. You know? <laughs> and it's just going to be too late. For you at that point in time. And you're just going to have to buckle up and just do what you're supposed to do at this point. You ain't going to be able to get away with some stuff you got away with before. Amen. Yes, and amen. So, having a revelation of an open heaven, I believe is vital to your life to know. That God is there. And God is there for you. Regardless of what happens around you. Regardless of what happens in your life. Regardless of the tragedies we're living all around every day of our life. 
God is still there. And when we begin to see the faithfulness of God in our life. I'm having a hard time ending this message. The other night after the Lord, that was really a great birthday present for me. The Lord did that on my birthday that night. Said my nights, my time. The next night or two nights later, I laid down in my bed and I began to think about my life. And I went through everywhere I ever lived. I went through every job I ever had. I went through every friend, which is not many, but I did have a few here. Every friend I ever had. And I began to see every house I ever lived in. I began to see the faithfulness of God in my life. And I began to see the wisdom of God in my life and the beauty of God in my life. Because I've spent a lot of my life talking bad about my past, talking bad about my family, if only this, if they would have did this, if, if we'd have had money, if we'd have had this, if we'd have had that, if they'd have done this, had done that, those people, all that kind of craziness. I saw my life in a completely different light. I saw it in light of God's love and faithfulness that God had always been with me and that God had been there in my worst moments and that God had been there in my best moments. That God's faithful. God is faithful. And God is worth knowing. God is worth the trouble. He's worth the trouble to have a relationship. And God's presence is worth us making adjustments as people to have His presence manifested amongst us. It's just worth it. He's worth it. Yeah, amen. So let me just, I want to pray so I can get out of this. Get out of this. I hope some people in this room are convicted. I really do. The God who was there, one, escape from reason. Two, the God who is there is not solved. There's a progression. The God is coming to a revelation that He's there. Two, if we're going to really engage this God, we're going to have to escape from our own. Reason and the reason of the world, the reasoning of the popular culture, all that stuff. We have to escape from it. We've got to escape from all that because all that will not in- help you engage and hear the God who is there because the God who is there wants to talk. Amen? So I want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room. I, first, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you're a convictor. And I believe there's conviction in this room right now. I believe you are trying to speak to some people about their lives and about their relationship with you and about their tent. I believe you're asking people in this room, could, could their tent become your tent? Could my tent be your tent? Lord, can this church be your tent? I believe the Lord wants us to think about that. And I think the Lord also wants to convict us about our dreams. And about our callings, about our vision, about all the things we desire in life, good, the good, awesome things that God has for us, would we take those things if God was not included in them? And maybe just an angel was in it. I'll send you an angel. Would we, would we answer that question with the Lord? And be honest with them, because that's the way you get to freedom is honesty. Would you, if, Lord, if you just do something my children, they've broken, I'm crushed over my children. Would you just do it? Well, if I did it and I wasn't in your life, 
Would you still want it? That's, that's big. Lord, I just pray you'd go deep in our hearts this morning. I pray for conviction, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Lord, I believe there's a company of people in this room that you're going to use powerfully, Lord. Luke 24, when Jesus walked with those two men on the road to Emmaus after it was over, they looked at each other and they realized Jesus had been talking to them. Didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us? I, I felt this morning that God really, this burning hearts, that God wants our heart to burn. He wants, he wants our heart to burn with passion for him. He really does want that. He really wants us to really want Him and love Him and, and go to the trouble to have a relationship with Him. And Lord, I just pray you just like you did for the road to Emmaus, guys, that you would release that. You release that burning in our hearts, God, for you, Lord. That we, our passions would be stirred this morning. Our desires would be stirred this morning, Lord. Just do that for every person in this room, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to ask the ministry team coming to come up, but uh, while they're coming up, I um, are they out there? Okay. Um, you know, I've had a lot of tragedy in my life, and I know you probably look at me and say, "Man, he's so good looking. He's so well built. He has such a pretty wife. I could, I could have any problems." Well, I do have a pretty wife, anyway. But I've had a lot of tragedy in my life, and I've had times where in the midst of my tragedy, I couldn't feel the presence of the Lord. And I've had times in my life where I had even greater tragedy, but I could feel the presence of the Lord. And I really don't have such a hard time going through tragedy when I feel the presence of the Lord. And do you, you understand what I'm saying? When you're in the midst of something awful that you're going through, but you feel God by your side, I don't think there's anything you can go through that you can't see yourself going through. But when you don't feel the presence of the Lord, and sometimes it's because he chooses to hide himself, we're never away from the presence of the Lord. But sometimes, for some reasons, God chooses to hide himself. And it's at those times that it seems hopeless. It seems like it's not worth it. That's when you realize just how important the presence of the Lord really is. I know when Byron was saying that, I don't care what the Lord could give me, if he didn't give me his presence, I don't want it. I don't want it. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to release everybody this morning. You're free to go or you're free to come up for prayer.